0: Welcome to Space Brains, the show where we joy-watch sci-fi movies and then talk about what was good and what was great. I'm sorry, and this is
1: Mark. Hiya, it's episode 71, the first one for 2022, and tonight we are talking about sci-fi film... Cosmos, came out in 2019. Uh, In this episode, we're going to reveal what we thought about the film, the ins and outs of the narrative, plus some film language, and then a nice deep dive into a specific piece of science that the filmmakers are proposing. Cosmos was written and directed by brothers Elliot Weaver and Xander Weaver.
0: Yes, so turn back now if you haven't seen this movie and then tune back in. Because we're going to talk all about it. So, warning, warning. Warning, 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 warning.
1: (laughs) Those aliens are coming. Well, this film does propose that. It's about three amateur astronomers who are very perplexed when the newest member of their team intercepts a radio signal of seemingly impossible origin.
0: What was your number one takeaway from Cosmos? My number one takeaway is that you can have... Maybe maybe it's a B story, maybe it's a C story, which is a love interest with an inanimate object. Mm. Now, later on uh, in this film, there's a considerable drama and <laughs> tension and it does revolve around whether they should leave the the, um, the mistress of one of these characters, <laughs> Annabelle, Annabelle, behind. Or Ooh, if Annabelle. they can get her into the car as well with all of their equipment. Oh, poor Annabelle. Yes, Annabelle. Interestingly enough, also the name of the guy's wife. <laughs> uh, what was his name? Mike? This- no,
1: he wasn't no. Mike. He was um, Harry. Harry? Harry, <laughs> Roy, Mike. <laughs> I had to G- think about that. Yeah. Yeah. There's three big characters in this film. We've got to be able to get the names right. Sorry. Yeah,
0: okay. Yeah, so it was, it was very nice. I really did like... The fact that they uh, anthropomorphized this telescope at least mm. a little bit. Yep. Uh, it was well done. In fact, this movie uses this sort of, um, what are you going to call it? Uh, totemic or, or um, let's say, fetishized, uh, fetish, fetishization of objects. And mm. I don't use that in the sexual term, oh. but rather <laughs> well, I- in, in the term of investing objects with greater power than what yeah. they would apparently have. Hmm. Uh, That's
1: interesting, actually. I didn't really thought about that too much till so you are just saying that. Yeah.
0: Uh, there's a, there's a couple of key scenes. Um, might, maybe, maybe heavily done. Mm. Maybe not, but uh, I really did appreciate that use of of visual language and this, as I said, this this imbuing objects with significance and storytelling capabilities, and they're not people. And it, it's it's very realistic in terms of like. And
1: maybe more so because they're men, but like, you know, this not infatuation is not the quite the right word, but a bit of, a bit of, you know, like relationship with objects that you work with so much. So like these guys, like that one guy, um, Harry, he's got the telescope. So that's his mistress, but even Mike, you know, Mike and he's like software thing that he's developed, he's super invested in it to the point of, it's not insanity or anything but it's like it's almost like borderline obsession obsession yeah Yeah, like so so it's so it sort of makes it i think quite realistic you know you you have mechanics and they'll refer to the the car as like women names and stuff and some people might say that's sexist but they're also like quite enduring aren't they to those objects so
0: i think it does speak to the way uh, maybe men in particularly i guess western society is what we're talking about mm -hmm. um Fine, they have to use proxies for expression of emotion. Mm, Like mm. it's perfectly fine for a sea captain to talk about his love of his fine lady ship and he's married to the ocean. (laughs) But you ask him about his woman, he goes, yeah, she's nice. (laughs) How do you feel about her? You know, I married her, so... (laughs) I must be, okay. must be something there. Tell me a bit more about your boat. <laughs> oh, the lovely lines of this. <laughs> yeah. Proud lady as she leaps through the ocean waves and I take on this strange accent.
1: <laughs> the, the curves, the bends, yeah. the lines. Yeah, I don't know.
0: That's, that's how sea captains talk. It's, Apparently, yeah, according that's, to Surrey, that's how they talk. Exactly. So, though, tell me, Mark, was this a movie of hope, warning, or an experiment? I think it's a
1: nice little hope story, this one. It's... it's uh, You know, it proposes that these guys, these everyday astronomers, discover something which is, you know, possibly alien life. We don't 100% find out, but, yeah, they find the spaceship. They're the first guys to find it. You know, they've kind of beaten NASA to the punchline, so to speak, or the British Space Observatory or whatever it is called in this. And um, they... You know, so the niceness there is like the everyday person finding this really this big momentous thing that's going to change human history. And so to me it was hope. Like it was like these guys were hoping to get more out of all of this time and, and energy that they had pumped into their passion, so to speak, and their careers and here they were going to get rewarded. So I, I felt like it was like hope Absolutely. that the everyday, the everyday person at these guys, the everyday guys. These guys aren't really everyday guys because they're obviously smart scientists, brainiacs. <laughs> brainiacs. Um, but I felt like there was a there was a hope to it. And it's a very warm, and, and you know, we've, we've warned everyone that we're talking about it at length. It's a very warm feeling at the end of this film versus, you know, you watch a lot of these other films where... NASA does discover the aliens and, of course, what's going to happen is this huge alien invasion, cities get blown up. We've all seen those films. This film is the opposite of that. It's well, see, even, it's the sort of niceness of, like, discovering even an Arrival, alien race and, and kind of connecting to it, yeah.
0: Even Arrival didn't have that same sort of warmth to the ending. Mm, yep. It was almost bittersweet, yeah, was the and, ending of Arrival. Contact
1: as well, which is quite Likewise. similar to this film, actually, in a, in a way, like, in you fact, know, it's the it same sort of story. it was the
0: Arecibo dish that yeah. was received. The, the, uh, yeah. I liked the... Well, the Arecibo message itself, and during that time, during the late 60s mm-hmm. into the 70s, it was such a positive, hopeful idea yeah. about space yeah. and about the fact that, uh, you know, we're going out there mm. and it's a new frontier, it's, it's yeah. exploring and... Um, uh, discovering like the moon without, mm. without fear of, you know, destroying someone else's culture because yeah. the moon is empty. But there's always this idea that we could meet um, someone or something that could teach us something. Yeah. And the Arecibo message was sent out. It was sent out just as a test of the yeah. Arecibo dish. Mm-hmm. But it was in hope because it was like, well, if we're just going to send a message, you could just be testing one, two, three. Yeah. You know, just to prove we can do it. Yeah. But instead they sent, you know, the message which we see in this um, story. Mm -hmm. And uh, following on from that, we had a few other various, um, you know, the SETI program, Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence was established uh, in the 70s. Oh, geez, I better check that. But, you know, hey. You know, if you're a city worker... Yeah, references. Tell let me. us know. Yeah, let, let me. <laughs> but there is a hope I, here. I've got the number on the computer screen behind me. I just can't be able to turn around and look. Yeah,
1: there, there is a hope here. There's a hopeful ending here. And yeah, I, I felt good at the end of this film. How? What was your first impression?
0: My first impression was that for Because I know it was an ultra low budget, right? And, and you can tell like there's three primary actors mm-hmm. and there's like... One voice that we hear once or two sentences from, yeah. and then there's Dave at the very end that we sort of meet. Yes. But it's three guys, a car, and a forest. Yep. And but watching it, the uh, orchestral cinema, you know, cinematic orchestral sort of sound at the start, the soundscape, And yeah, the way cool. it, it, it panned across the dark and the cosmos came out, it did give me a feeling I was like, oh, well, this is not a cheap looking film no not at all and it yeah it may be quite hopeful and interested to Mm -hmm. know more about it because uh there's inexpensive and then there's cheap and this was an inexpensive film Mm -hmm. it was quite well made in that sense so um i i took a little while to figure out where the filmmaker was going with this and i and i'd love to go talk to these uh Xander uh Xander and, and Alex I wanted to say oh my god Elliot, Elliot and Xander oh my goodness I'm sorry Elliot my son is named Elliot I should have remembered this <laughs> That's why you're going to
1: keep calling him something else all night long
0: yeah, yeah big boy <laughs> that's what I call my son oh, right. okay. I don't get right. all right I just remember big, hey, big boy weaver yeah uh, <laughs> uh which is uh Anyway, so I'm saying that yeah they, yeah, they they did this great, and I'd like to ask them if I've got it right. Yeah, definitely or close to what's right what they're sort of going for. But yeah, my impression there was it was a a slow paced, um, you know, slow burn sort of movie builds to a crescendo, and by the time the end, I did I got that that um, hopeful, bubbly feeling. Yeah, me too. End. It was good. Yeah. And uh, so tell me though, what about what about you? How did you watch this? Uh, I watched this via... So we
1: got special access to this, didn't we, sorry? Yes. We had a special access pass because of space brains. They're moving up in the world here. We got we got access to this film. I believe that you can watch this on a lot of the video on... Uh, sorry, yeah, video on demand is the word, isn't it? Uh, sites like Amazon, etc., Google. I think I'm pretty sure you can get access to this film so you can go rent it pretty cheaply or purchase it if you want to get a DVD. Who has DVDs anymore? Uh, (laughs) But you can do one of those devices, but we had it. So I just basically watched it on my laptop um, just because of timing, et cetera. Um, But I really was thoroughly drawn in, bit like what you were just saying in terms of the quality of the film very early on. And then I started to feel the pace of the narrative. So later when we get to the narrative, I do want to sort of talk about that. But yeah, from a filmmaker's point of view, I thought it was really beautifully shot. The lighting kept me intrigued. The music was amazing and the soundscape really pulled me in. The colouring also had a bit of a... Oh, Mid 80s feel very really? similar to kind of something like ET, I like God, there God, was the a E.T. bit of a feel, connotation yeah. to that. And then, and then more recently, like the JJ Abrahams kind of stuff, there was probably a bit of a nod to that. And you know, again, from a filmmaker's point of view, like you're saying, like I knew a bit of context of this film being super low budget, like it was made with no money. I now I mean zero. <laughs> and uh, so I was like, as a filmmaker, I was going, wow, they've really, oh, they've, oh, okay, they've done that. And they've done, like, I was kind of watching and appreciating the feel and the vibe of the film uh, a, a lot. So it'd be, I mean, I did come at it from the, the, those, that sort of perspective, which is maybe a little bit different than a general audience. But another thing as well was the the science in it. I, I The science was cool. Like they, they really described and they embedded some of the science into the dialogue. I think in a very smooth way, and I think a general audience would like that too. Um, so yeah, the, I I just watched it on a laptop and it was fine. It was perfect. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Um, I think it looked good on a big screen as well. Oh, no the, problem. The sound
0: that. was great. I had my I got some fancy new um, Sennheiser. Hello. Full ear covering. Yeah. Sound producing vibrational. <laughs> Things earphones are used. Dolby called.
1: Digital. <laughs> remember the remember when you'd see the Jurassic Park and then it was like that Dolby Digital, the train into the theatre.
0: That's what you've got. You've got yeah. those Jurassic Park headphones. Fancy, fancy fancy I've been mean to do it because I am trying to edit this audio and all the rest of it now. I've got some decent cans at work. Why is this film a science fiction? Sorry. This this
1: film Like what makes it a sci-fi? It,
0: it could have been not. A science fiction film—that's not my question. But <laughs> this one, the ending would have had to have been very different if it wasn't science fiction. Yeah. And this one's science fiction, because it takes this premise uh, of real science that mm-hmm. we've done—we've yeah. we've really did send out a signal. Yeah. We really do track and monitor the st- the stars, the skies. Look at the skies! Don't you hate when you try and say two words at once and the <laughs> other one comes out? Yeah, and uh, w- we do wonder if any of our messages we send out or anything we send out will ever come back to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And here we go. The weavers have said, well, yes, let's say it does. Yeah, that's the but let's But let's say it's, you know, um, more sort of, uh, what, what do you call this? They're not recreational. They're, they're semi-pro yeah. um, enthusiasts. Mm-hmm. Who discovered it because yeah, yeah. there's been a number of astronomical discoveries that mm-hmm. have been made by enthusiasts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, um, high school students and university yeah, yeah. students and things managed to discover asteroids and comets and, yeah. um, you know, planets. The, the the first planet being observed was done by a university team, you know. Yeah, yeah. So it was just like this, yeah, this isn't a, a, a big budget NASA or... Um, Royal Society, mm. you know, or CSIRO group.
1: Yeah, and it, just, even that science is not like a leap, is it? It's it's literally the science we pretty much are yeah, doing. It's, you know, it's, it's a
0: telescope. You know? It's a telescope uh, and <laughs> it's a guy listening, listening on uh, radio frequencies. Yeah, on uh, some funky and he's, headphones. <laughs> he's got a nice little bit of software which will real-time render uh, these frequencies for a view, which is – and that's kind of a bit um, – it's not what you call – groundbreaking yeah but it is it's is—it's—it's novel it's new yeah. it's its an yeah. improvement on what we have so if you took all of that out you took the signal out the rest of it, you've got three guys having a chat in a, in a car mm. which you could which would have made a, a gripping movie otherwise they introduced a lot of drama through that yeah but you wouldn't have had that um, the message of the film wouldn't be there the hope that feeling you get at the end would all be gone <laughs> yeah because it definitely. would just and you'd, you'd You'd wonder why spend so long on such a simple story. Yeah. So you need that science fiction in there to make the story just that bit more gripping, a bit more mysterious, a bit more interesting, mm. and and to really tie in um, and that message of, of hope and understanding and outreach.
1: Yeah. I mean, a, a what if these normal guys discovered the aliens? Mm. So let's like hone in on the night that they discover the aliens, right? Like instead of it being the alien invasion instead of and, it being the next day, you know, like we've made contact. It's like, this is the night of them discovering them.
0: And know? it's a really ordinary night and yeah. set of interactions. They're not in the midst of diffusing a nuclear bomb. You know, <laughs> yeah. They're, yeah. they're yeah. sort of doing their thing. Yes. Uh, so what, what about the science
1: fiction did you like? Uh, for me that, that message that what's the, what's the name of the message? The
0: Arecibo message.
1: Yeah. Um, the fact that the aliens send that back to us, but their version of it. I yeah. thought that was a really nice little touch of it. They clearly explained to the audience that message and I've seen, and I don't know much about that message, but I've seen it in other films. Yes. <laughs> so I know about it and uh, Contacts probably one and, and other, a couple other films. Um, I've definitely seen them talk about that message and I've seen that coding before displayed. And, um, and so it was interesting that then it was a great moment in this film where, you know, they, they, get the binary code and then they're deciphering it and the computer's loading it down in that old-fashioned line-by-line and it's pretty much identical, isn't it? And mm-hmm. then it starts to change a bit as if we get about two-thirds down the page and then it, it does. It's You can clearly see that it's significantly different. Not drastically different but significantly different and um, you're like, oh, I was like, that's a really cool bit of sci-fi. So that's taking the... To me, this is one of those really great examples of like... Here, here we are in earth 2022 uh, and this is our kind of science capabilities our technology capabilities what if we ran into aliens and it's just it's just pushing it to another little realm mm. and you and I have watched a, through space planes we have watched a lot of sci-fi films where that science is taken to you know a whole new realm you know like something that is really fantasy in a way or or really pushing around I, I quite like this idea where it's just a real, just a, another degree off what we already have. Yeah. You know, like you said, the software that he has as well. Maybe that could even be invented right now. I don't. I am not one hundred percent sure, but it's 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 just another step away from where we're at, right? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of cool. It's, it makes it feel like it's much more embedded into our society as is
0: yes it could be happening right now
1: could actually there could be three guys in a car and they've got that they've got that version of the software and yeah you know how it is you're an it like there's guys out there building this stuff that's just prototypes and yeah in 10 years time it'll be an app but right now it's just
0: the prototype it's the crude prototype but they're out there using it what about uh what have we been doing recently We've had a big um, break, a festive break. We had a Here festive break. in sunny mandra. it was very sunny for the Christmas period. So sunny that the power went out. It was. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and I was out uh, at my mother-in-law's little farm, mm. where it's another three or four degrees warmer yet. Yes. So it, was, it was well above 40 degrees, 42, 43, 44 And did you notice degrees.
1: today, I'm going to forget the town, but somewhere in WA, it was the hottest day ever on record in Australia and biological standards, (laughs) if I can say the word, which I can't. But, yeah, it was like the hottest day ever, 50.5 degrees or something like. Cooking eggs. Oh, goodness goodness gracious. But, yeah, we had a really hot summer. But, yeah, Space Brains had a little pause, had a little festive break, Um, and now we're back ready to hit the saddle running because... That festival is hit coming. Hit the
0: saddle running.
1: Yeah, hit the saddle running. So it's already stomping down the road. That saddle flying, <laughs> just flying. There's no horse. Well, maybe there's a. Saddle. Yeah, that's right. It's just flying. You're just going to hit it, <laughs> smack it, <laughs> whilst you're running.
0: Okay. Okay. okay.
1: <laughs> like that's the image.
0: I think I think we've taken that as far as it's going to go. Yeah. But
1: anyway, we've got the festival coming up
0: really soon. we do. May. uh We're, we're booking uh, presenters. Looking we're for presenters, filmmakers, we're, artists we're in booking, the sci fi uh, world, yeah, photographers, and yeah. we've got the venue sorted out. Yep. Uh, Beautiful man we're just pack. Dealing with insurance matters. Yeah, a bit of logistics. Because we don't want to have anyone get hurt and not be taken care of.
1: Well, look, think about it. The disaster could be we can make alien contact at the festival, you know, and people get injured. Because the aliens don't really get us and they just sort of oh, stop. They, the they place.
0: send us saddles that we don't get yeah.
1: running. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So but you, you could imagine that, couldn't you? Like, you know, like us like imagine if you walked into a village and didn't really know and then like you stood on someone's house, it'd be the same with the aliens coming here. Like they could like land and just like smash manpack. And go, whoops! Whoa, we didn't realize um, the lasers. Well, zapped. we should do Galaxy
0: Quest because that's yeah. what happens at the end of Galaxy yeah. Quest, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we need the insurance for those purposes. Insurance, science. yes. Yeah. So uh, other than that, though, there's a new film festival website. Ooh, it's, exciting! Um, you know, coming along. It's not for fit for public viewing just yet. I mean, if you're really sort of cunning, you could probably figure out how to view it. And by the time <laughs> you're listening to this, it is probably fit for viewing. Yeah. So that's fine. Awesome. Uh, and uh,
1: uh, yeah, we've gotten more submissions, so keep them coming. We're cool. in the late deadline now. I think you got till the end of January for the late deadline. January thirty-one, and then there's a sort of little extra bonus deadline. Yeah, maybe you, for another month. If you us a few
0: extra dollars, we'll look at your yeah. pool and everything because <laughs> we're running out of time.
1: Yes, we are. Um, no, but still, there is enough time. Especially if you're local, it'd be great to have still some mandra entries.
0: Ah, uh, mandra entries, get into it because. Being a Mandra local, you'd be able to get the opportunity to turn up and get the red carpet treatment. Mm. You'd be able to talk to other filmmakers uh, and professionals. Definitely. Uh, and, yeah, it's a great chance then to get some credits, film credits. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. And did you have any time off where you your creative
0: brain got a bit of a run for its money? Uh, No, but it did recharge, and I'm I'm chock full of ideas. I'm good. I'm getting back to there's all of these works that I wrote, so uh, I I got a um, a creativity injection via my wife, as it turns out, Mm. as she's decided that she's going to become an author. Okay, and so she's writing books now. Awesome. Uh, She's outlining her first one right now. Yep. Uh, We'll find out where that goes, but it's made me think. Yeah, geez, I've got I've got like five novels sitting on my hard drive that they just need to be a bit more editing and, and yeah. maybe shuffling around a bit uh, and I've got a, a, do it. another book that uh, I'm gonna release anyway so
1: yeah yeah do it do it so you
0: can you can see them coming out soon
1: I'm yep. sure and we do also want to add a bit of more content from space brains as well we oh, put this, out, oh, I've you re- and I have spoken about so much of this knowledge base of sci-fi and films we've got to we've got to put more out well, I've,
0: there. I've got four Blog posts written yeah. sitting on my computer as well, waiting yeah. to be, you know, published, reviewed, basically, edited and published. Uh, and then, of course, uh, I'm coming up with the, we're coming up with some video content, so a YouTube yeah. uh, experiment. Yep, uh, or maybe warning, <laughs> warning. Yes, uh, so that'll be exciting. You'll be able to see our beautiful. Podcast worthy faces. Oh, and the
1: one thing that we did do on the break, which we've done the last couple of years, is the little sci-fi film festival, which was all about the uh, Doctor Who uh, he has a series of the
0: Daleks. Oh, yeah, that was
1: great. That was a great night, wasn't it?
0: What a fantastic night there! So, thank you very much to Sean.
1: Yeah, uh, he runs. He, there's a little. There's a guy here, Sean, in Perth. He runs a little film festival. Everyone's welcome. It's very uh, communal. Bring a plate. Uh, He has a little chat about sci-fi in general and what he's going to play. Uh, last couple of years, we've seen uh, you and I were sort of brought over to the dark side of Firefly. Yeah, with Andy <laughs> in the first and Firefly in that first year, and then last year was a real eye opening or eye popping experience <laughs> of Mother, no, not Mother, brother from another planet, brother from um, another planet, mother. which I, that just blew my mind. And then it was amazing to go even further back in time and watch this Genesis of the Daleks and yes. how amazing that is. You know, like that little series, six episodes. I think about. Twenty-five minutes per episode. Um, I'm not sure where he got access to that. Whether it was on Stan, one of the it was on Stan, Okay, one of the streamers. Um, and I, I was really because look to be honest, and maybe you can shoot me down over this. I've seen a lot of Doctor Who, but I am not one of those huge avid fans of Doctor Who. Just, just I've never been. Um, in fact, my wife's probably watched a lot more Doctor Who than I have over her childhood and stuff, but it was there for me and i watched it but it wasn't something i totally got into but watching that six block episode of the genesis of it it was it was incredible especially for the time you know and you, you again like tonight we're talking about low budget uk that was low budget uk sci-fi and um just done so well like for a that would you could take that and and make a modern version just shot for shot of that and chuck it on Netflix, it'd be a massive hit these days. Like, it'd be huge. Yeah, you could almost, like, have
0: a new Doctor Who series.
1: Like, yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> you could just do a whole series, another series, new, a new Doctor Who. They kept using that Doctor, didn't they? Yeah.
0: <laughs> that's the only Doctor there has ever been, I yeah, think.
1: I think so, yeah. That's the last time I watched it was the 60s. Um, okay, well, let's get so stuck into, it, yeah. the,
0: into the film then. We should,
1: yeah. Because so,
0: yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, we're going to go through, we'll talk about some of the plot there, some of the film techniques, yeah, you know, the symbolism, uh, narrative, camera lighting. We sort of mentioned that these things are, are worthy of talking about already. Mm. Uh, we're going to have a, a bit of a talk through the sort of structure as well. Yeah. But, my, how about you give us a bit of a brief overview of everything?
1: So the Weaver brothers, Elliot and Xander, are behind this. Um, little bit of trivia, they were out and about in their early 20s trying to sell or pitch a really expensive sci-fi film. And they got people interested, but the finances kept coming back to them saying, yeah, but you haven't made a feature yet. Why don't you go make a feature? And after, I guess, a bunch of these rejections, they decided, well, Why don't we just make a feature? So that's the point of Cosmos was they went off and wrote and then spent time planning and then actually producing and making Cosmos purely really for the intention to show what they had in their arsenal as filmmakers. So the intention of this film was to make a uh, guerrilla-styled feature film with no budget, and we mean no budget. They paid for food and a bit of petrol uh, but literally, you know, hey, chuck a couple actors in a room, three actors in a car, uh, and I'm on camera, you're on sound, and mum's doing a bit of makeup, and we have a film. And that's literally what they did. Uh, it took them five years to make this film. So from that initial idea through to post production, they did all the post production themselves on a bunch of computers in their home studio. Um, and. Uh, the only thing that really they got outsourced that came in at the end was the score, so the music. Mm. So they got a, they got a guy in to help them do the oh, whole they, score. They did well with that score. And they did, they did very well with that. Uh, no one was paid. It was all done out of love. Um, they spent a whole month in a home garage uh, shooting all the scenes inside the car <laughs> where every night they would just film, they'd put up black black Stuff on the windows and the garage doors, and they just film all day long or all night long, and then they have to pack all that down every night. And so, because the garage had to be used for its garage purposes. (laughs) So, this film is one of those complete guerrilla styled filmmaking. Um, When they're out in the forest, they used their iPads and iPhones and you know, torches to light the scene, they didn't use professional lighting. They didn't have lighting kits or anything like that. You know, they just used what they had. They built a rig themselves for the camera. They used a wheelchair for dolly shots and uh, moving shots. Um, The car chase scenes were all done themselves. (laughs) Like, that, this was done that old-school Robert Rodriguez 10-minute film school style. So, if you're a filmmaker, this film is worth looking at and studying because how on earth did they make such a high-quality-looking film... For zero dollars. That's well, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm and
0: that's surprised. a good question. Yeah, I'm surprised because when I was going into watching this, I'd, I'd heard these things, but I, I didn't look too much into the background of Cosmos. Uh, I, I have had some uh, little email back and forth with Elliot and uh, Xander, uh, you know, about the fact this film and our film festival, mm. which is quite good. But I was went in blind. and yeah, me too. As a, that. Just the opening sequence yeah. of panning across the sky, that mysterious music, and cosmos appearing. Yeah, yeah. And that uh, was was magical. And I went, "Oh, that really can they back this up? Yeah, because that's that's like a real slick opening. It is. And they did. They so did. It's very good. So, we, so who are the actors in this?
1: So we've got uh, Tom England plays Mike Webster. Joshua Ford plays Harry Knight. Uh, Arjan Singh Panam plays Roy, Roy, Roy <laughs> Kennedy, <laughs> Roy Kennedy. Yeah. and uh, Ben Vardy. Kind of, yeah, he's a bit on the phone, isn't he? Early in the film, and then he's right at the end. Plays Dave
0: Bennett. Uh, Come on, <laughs> kill me, Bennett. <laughs> Mr. Um, knife, Bennett. Sorry. <laughs> on, it, was,
1: it was filmed in Birmingham, UK, as we said, in a forest, in a carport, and on a couple of roads. Like that, literally. What? That's all they shot. Like it was. That's all. Yeah. Uh, the box office um, they, and the budget. Now, they did end up having a couple of thousand dollars that they would crowdfunded and stuff, but essentially all they really paid for was food and uh, petrol for the actors. They did everything themselves, like I was talking about before. They had to take on a whole bunch of those roles. Um, their mum came in and helped with continuity and et cetera, as we talked about, even like lights uh, they had a little basic smoke machine they'd bought off eBay that they just kept using, and to make everything a bit smoky, yeah. um, you know, black plastic on windows, you know, a car. They, it was their car that they kitted out. Like it, it, it it's was all not an expensive car. No, right? and it's not an expensive car either. So it's all of that sort of stuff, the the budget was next to none, and they they just they sort of talked about that. Yeah, there was either equipment that they already owned or had, or they borrowed the old beg, Boris Steel sort of thing. Um, but, yeah, they, they, they just committed to making this film from the outset. Um, there is no real box office. It did get a um, worldwide video-on-demand release. They did actually get sold, so the film got on sold that way, distributed. And um, so that was a huge success for a, a total independent film, really. Um, and it is, as I said, I think, pretty sure it's available on Amazon. Not sure about Google, but... Yeah, check it out, Google it. Um, their website is extremely thorough and I would, if you're a filmmaker or someone really interested in it, you can go there. There's behind the scenes stuff, there's merchandise if you really want to get into it. Um, they've also had a couple of like subsections come out of the film that are on the website. So go check it out. They explain a lot of their processes of making the film and then also what the film was about and why they made it. Um, so yeah, definitely go check it out if you want to learn more about it. I will. Uh, So we do like to break our narrative down. Um, So we're going to go through some of the key parts of Cosmos, obviously not every scene or anything, because you should just go watch it yourself. Um, But we'll break down into some common elements that we like to talk about every week or every episode that we consider to be good story, good script writing. This comes from people like Campbell and Snyder and McPhee and Field. uh, And the base element is a three-act structure. And then that's broken down into maybe some... Specific scenes, or what some people call
0: beats. So, sorry, what's Act One about? Beats, beats, Get the beats. Going. Act One is about uh, it, primarily. It's about establishing the world that we are uh, entering into. Mm-hmm. It sets up some rules. We have an opening image, mm-hmm. and the opening image uh, will set. Uh, it'll set a bit of a tone. It'll get you in that feeling. Um, often, it's a you know sweeping you know moving shot yeah. or some kind of like a something that establishes where you are yeah. we have some theme set up so that we know uh, what man, what this film is going to start talking about uh, and then something that's quite important in this act 1 is the catalyst or the inciting incident mm. or something. I like to think of it it's it's that point in the film where the light switches on And you know what this film is going to be about. Yeah. It may not be about that, but you know where... You you have an idea of where this film is going. Yeah. You know it's going to be a detective story. Yeah. You know it's going to be an escape story. You know it's going to be an unravelling, a slow mystery Yeah, like this one.
1: Hopefully that moment is also like whatever we are being told, the setup of the character and the world, that then that moment is... Compelling that then you know you and I the audience is going, ooh we want to know what happens. Yeah, here. you know, like you want it to be and you know juicy and tasty and I, look, I always use I'm Spider-Man, hungry now. <laughs>
0: yeah. Spider Man, the to- the first Tobey Maguire Spider Man. Yeah. I always use that. It's such a perfect example of mm-hmm. this situation because in there we go straight in. We're shown here's Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. He's at school. He likes MJ. He's got you know James Franco. Whoever, I can't remember what his character's <laughs> name was, is his friend. He's bullied. Yeah. He's a he's bit a of a like photography nerd. And then he gets bitten. We're told about this spider, how it's super. And we know we're going to a movie called Spider-Man. We yeah. know what's happening. And he gets bitten. Mm. And we go, ah, this film. And he, he's like, this is this is the beginning of the entire incident. And he wakes yeah. up and he's a bit awkward. Yeah. He just has that first awkward scene. And like that's the whole inciting thing. It was like, ah, oh, this is going to be about him. A, you know, becoming Spider-Man and, and yeah. figuring it out And it's it's just exactly that You get that And yeah. then we, we go straight into Act 2 with Spider-Man Yeah,
1: and well, just on there as well It's probably a good insight incident one Because you could get bitten by a mutant radioactive spider and just die
0: You could do There's, there's some jokes there saying <laughs> like he, he went to bed with a golf ball sized lump on his hand After being bitten by yeah. a spider like, Rather than going to a doctor Yeah, that's right <laughs> Some people have said it's because his life sucks so hard that he didn't mind if he died. Yeah. And other people sort of said, oh, well, clearly he doesn't have any health insurance. <laughs> and, you know, his, uh, his aunt... But that's great, right? Uncle, no, but th-
1: all of those things that are being suggested there, like that that tells you about him as the character. Yeah, he's poor, does. he doesn't have money to go to the doctor. Maybe his life sucks. And, yeah, if I don't wake up, well, I don't wake up, you know? Yeah. So it is, it's a bit do or die, isn't it? It's like this inciting incident's got to change my life, yeah. yeah. But anyway, we do roll into the second act. And the second act is about... Taking that story through and going, okay. Well, now Peter Parker actually does wake up. He didn't have to go to the doctor, and he's kind of got some superpowers. So this is where we get some fun and games. Can he? Oh, he can climb up a wall. He he can he can jump off buildings. He can you know sprout white gooey stuff out of his wrists. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Out of the palms of his hands, and then and then and it grips onto another building, and but then when he does that, he just whacks into the building. So it's like it's the fun and games of him learning to be Spider Man. So so that's the whole point here in this second act of any film. It's like. It's the fun of the film. It's the, and some people like Blake Schneider call it, 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 this is really where a trailer is born. Um, you know, when you see those trailers, they kind of should come from this part of the story. Uh, we also might have a B story, like a love story or a friendship developing. Um, and that basically plays out until about halfway through, which is that right on the midpoint. The midpoint then needs to say, hang on, you got bitten by a spider. You've been mucking around with your gooey web stuff. You've been swinging around the city. You've helped an old lady, whatever... But now it needs to get a bit serious, yeah. right? Like now you need to take this a bit more serious. Like what are you going to do now with the fact that you're a super spider man, you know?
0: What do you do with this great like, power? What are, are you, you going to do you with gonna this great
1: power? you going to have great role? responsibility? Yeah, yeah. So, so that's the midpoint. And sometimes it's an upper and sometimes it's a bit of a downer for the main character, um, depending on how the, you know, the premise of the story. Um, but either way, the midpoint there, it serves as a, a bit of a reminder that you're halfway through the story, it really should get a bit more serious. What quite happens after that is some of the terminology does suggest some negatives for the main character. So it could be that the bad guys close in, we have an all is lost moment, we have a dark night of the soul, and all of these are just uh, basically scenes or beats where... For Spider-Man, things are getting worse and worse and worse for him. And it's very obvious in a film like Spider-Man because you also throw in some sort of crazy villain like the great green goblin who's also causing problems for Spider-Man. He's hitting um, his saddle running. I mean, <laughs> yeah. That's what he's got, isn't he? Yeah, so yeah. thing, I yeah. guess. He's got a flying saddle thing. Yeah, he's got a saddle, that's right. That's what I was talking about, sorry. He's hitting Spider-Man <laughs> He's whacking him on the butt as he's riding his little flying saddle. Um but, yeah, I mean, for any character, if it's like the great movie Die Hard, you know, it's like for he might win a little bit and take down a bad guy, but then at the same time the bad guys are progressing on their agenda. Um, or, you know, if you're climbing a mountain, you're in these parts, this is where you're running out of food, you're running out of water, the person you're climbing with decides not to go on, but yet you still want to climb that mountain, you know, and so that kind of leads us to that point of you got the character has to get to a bit at the end of the second act where they decide, should I push on? And it's got to be another crux moment, a bit like that first act where should they go on? So if you're climbing the mountain, do you really go on to the apex or do you decide, you know what, I've done pretty good. I've done all right. I'm going to back on down. It's Spider-Man Time for the film to finish Do you know what? The Green Goblin can fly his little saddle around And I'll just go off and hang in the suburbs We we can live amicably together, can't we?
0: We'll go we- live in the shed Yeah,
1: it's alright Spinning our right.
0: little webs <laughs> looking yeah. after pigs
1: Do you know what? Great power comes great responsibility I don't want the responsibility
0: I'm fine but well, that brings us to Act Three, of course, because they do continue on. We do have the film. Yeah, it comes in. It's it's often then they uh, they gather up their resources. The hero gathers up his resources, makes a plan, makes maybe, a plan, or commits yeah. to doing something. Yeah, uh, it that often doesn't quite work out. Yeah. because they made the plan brilliant. based on what they knew at the start of the film. Mm. But what they need to do is. Grow. They don't grow, need to become yeah. that hero, become the villain, or become whatever it is that they need to do. And there's a turn around before final victory. And then we get the final image, which often mirrors the opening image or gives us some um, insight into the way life is now, yeah. or, or the world, the way the world is, or the life, depending on where they survive. not. Obviously, in Cosmos, they survive. Uh, but... It gives us that idea of here's how it's going forward and you can compare it to the opening where here's how the world is before anything's changed. Yeah.
1: I, I think a little homework assignment is to go back and look at Spider-Man because, to be honest, I remember the end image is him flying around New York, but I don't remember the opening image. I mean, it must mm-hmm. be Peter Parker probably just being a nerd or something,
0: I suppose. Is he, is he driving... He's not riding a scooter. That's when he's is a no. Okay. I don't know. That's a little homework if, assignment. If you know the answer, <laughs> let us know. Because, Go back. Uh, it's probably gonna be a little while before I watch the Spider-Man movies again. So one
1: thing I want to say, we're going to get into Cosmos, is and I've kind of been saying this, but yeah, the lighting's awesome, the camera work is awesome, the colouring is awesome. The sound effects and the soundscape is really awesome to me. It felt very cinematic. This film, I think they wanted that. If you go look at the making of, they they seemed that was a desired result. Um, it does feel like filmmakers have made this. You know, I, it I got feels, a strong
0: Spielberg yeah. and Michael Bay somewhere yeah. in between those. Somewhere, two.
1: yeah. And I, for me, it was kind of like the '80s Spielberg and a bit of JJ J. Abrahams, yeah. which I know is also Spielberg-y sort of thing, but There was a lost, you know, that kind of, we're in the forest, the lights and the torches and all that are very important. The colouring was definitely amped up, like more saturated um, in a good way. Um, But I did notice, you know, they they seem to have all these light sources and that was very interesting for me. So even when they're in the car, like the way the laptops were playing off the That was really
0: kind of, to me, reminiscent of like the opening sequence to E.T. Yeah. uh, And maybe Close Encounters where there were sort of lights... In strange places, mm, that's sort yeah. of sort of one of its um, keys. And you saw that in Stranger Things; they they carried a bit yes, of that in Stranger, Stranger Things yeah, as well, yeah. having uh, you know diffuse lights, but then a strong, harsh light. Yeah, you know, making some shadows twitch mm. and and shift. So you never actually there's nothing. There's no action going on, but it looks like there's action going on.
1: It it is. It's just so much more cinematic. So, I, I mean, these guys did a great job, and if you're a filmmaker, it's worth looking at So, you've talked about the opening. There's a big pan across the sky. There's the Cosmos credits. Did you notice that then it kind of like pans and then the tree shadow kind of comes over and gets rid of the sky? And I actually thought, well, that was a little bit of, you know, once you watch the film, there's a bit of foreshadowing maybe there because... The alien spaceship is blanketing in the sky.
0: Yeah, I, you know? I think also what I noticed in this was that use of car lights, yeah. going past over the uh, trees, which, as it is, that ET. Uh, yeah, it's that vibe, isn't it? Third, third encounters of the close kind. Uh, <laughs> welcome to which Mountain with the Rock. <laughs> 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 you know what I'm talking about mm. here. But yeah, it was it it immediately gave you that sense. That's something big, mysterious, don't know. uh, Aliens, you're immediately thinking of aliens.
1: You're thinking creatures in the dark, right? Like there's some sort of creature. And this film, when you think about it, like we don't see the creatures, we don't see the aliens, but like they keep getting hinted at, right? Like they keep getting kind of discussed. So the start, it's a bit creepy. It's a bit of a creepy start, you know, with the headlights and the torches. There's creepiness going on without it being actually some big creepy monster in the dark. And that's, that's what's great about this film. Um, when you jump to about the theme, to me the theme was about friendship. But did you agree with that? Sorry? I, 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 for me the friendship was so the, in the car yes. there's a moment there between Harry and Roy and so M- uh, Mike is asleep in the back and he says, oh, oh, so he works at that company, at asterisk or something, Yeah, and he goes, oh, so you guys are friends. And because... Harry and Roy, we're getting this sense early in the film that Roy's got some issues. Harry actually doesn't really answer his question. He goes, "Oh, well, is there a problem with us being friends?" And he's like, "Well, I could see that there would be problems." Yeah. And so, to me, that itself was the theme. Like, the theme was friendship.
0: Yeah, rejoining a uh, groups. Um, yeah, because yeah, because ones w- that tie groups together. Yeah, because be- even in a way, the the aliens. Responding—that's right. To yeah. To the Arecibo message, but also responding by echoing Mike's yeah. recording back to him. Yeah, is that same sort of um, you know uh, forming of a group? It's like mm. here's something familiar, and here, look, you know, we we like this. Mm. And throughout here, there was throughout this this film, we we continue to receive that same sort of message of um, two people coming getting to terms, two people coming to terms, three, and at the very end, four of them all. You know, put and the hats on and they're all happy.
1: And even the aliens, it's like, you know, they, they send the binary back and it's, you know, it's friendly, isn't it? It's the same of what we sent out and it's not hostile. It's, it's trying to connect. There's, there's connection yes. happening. Yeah, and so maybe it's not friendship, maybe it's connection. I don't know. But to me, the theme here felt like it was about friendship. Um, so this whole setup in this first sort of 10 or so minutes We've got these three amateur, semi-professional astronomers. You know, they, they've got their own sort of background. It was a little bit, un- to me, it was a little bit unsure. Like one guy, Mike, seemed to be working for that space company and he had set up, but then why they were out there was a bit more personal, passion, yeah, why I mean, they were I mean, out they'd
0: there. They'd worked for, uh, yeah, at the start, you don't, it's not you don't, clear. You don't you quite know, no, yeah. You know, you don't know, are they being paid to get there, but yeah. you sort of get the feeling they're not being no, paid to it, be out there. No, it
1: felt like they were just doing it on their own back. Um, and then definitely it's, it, it comes across pretty quickly that Roy seems to have an issue with both Mike and Harry. The issue with Mike is something to do with the company. The issue with Harry is that he's with Mike. There's sort of a bit of a And they've been apart weird, for four months. Yeah, there's, there's been a gap. There's a bit of a gap there. Um, there's this reference to Harry says, oh, do you want to wear your special hat? <laughs> And there's a red hat that has astro nuts
0: on it, and um, he says no. Nah. Well, see, this is that interesting point that I was talking about um, the the fetishization of objects in yeah, this yeah, the hat. to to serve the story, and the hat immediately. I, I got my little little notes that I was taking there, which immediately said, "Oh, you know, visual storytelling. This hat, because there there was driving along there." And the camera shows, you know, you, um, Harry looks at the hat mm. and you go in and you can see it's like it's a bit worn. It's a bit weird. Yeah, yeah. it's a worn and hat. And then Roy sort of also sees it and there's a, there's a thing going on there. And so you're going, no um, no, no words were spoken. There was, there was no anything else. It was just a purely visual mm. one scene, one scene, you know. And that's great. Shot, shot, that's shot. great script writing. And immediately you know that hat is central mm. to their friendship and has some history, even then when he sort of says, oh, remember this? Did you bring your hat? And Roy says, oh, not wearing that. Yeah. And he gets out of the car. And Mm. so, you know, you've been told the whole whole story has been told by two sentences and a picture of a hat. Yes. And Unlike
1: many other stories that you watch and they'll be like, do you want to wear the hat? You know I don't want to wear that hat. That takes me back to a bad place.
0: Back to the time when we used to be friends.
1: Yeah. So instead, of, instead of saying that, this film does it perfectly, which is like, "Are you going to wear the hat?" I'm not wearing the hat, and he walks away. Yeah, like so it says so much, doesn't it?
0: The, the hat now is carrying more than just. It's not just a hat. He's not just one not wanting to wear a hat because it's night time. And what's he need yeah. a hat for? But yeah, it's he's it's clearly rejecting a him yeah. of some prior hmm. relationship. And we also
1: find out in this setup that Mike is doing some sort of testing of new tech, but we're again we're not too sure about that. So, did you did you feel um, that you were aligning to any of them being a protagonist at this well, point I, in
0: time? Sorry. See, I had a bit of confusion as to exactly when this catalyst moment was, mm. because this movie is um, it's a hockey stick. In, in that it's a very slow build-up. It's a slow burn. Yeah. And at the end, it packs it all in. Yeah. So, I was still looking, actually, I was trying to figure out what's what's that point where, oh, I know what this film's about because yeah. I'm still waiting for it. And it was, I found it was closer to the 20-minute mark, mm-hmm. which is a bit late for the typical catalyst, but yeah. there was enough drama and action prior to this. Mm. And that was when he first gets his signal. Yeah. The the blipping signal. Yeah. And then at twenty-seven minutes the the satellite disappears. But I was thinking the blipping signal and he's like, oh that's really weird. Yeah. And he marks down the you know 14, 20.63 yeah. megahertz. And and I thought, oh yeah, that is was the catalyst is it said where Roy is getting his gear and, and gets the music on, or was it when he first hears that alien signal, which is where you start going, ah, oh, this movie it's not just three guys talking. Mm. It's something is external happening. I,
1: I, I, look, I would agree with you that the sound is probably the obvious catalyst. Um, but I I also thought, well, the catalyst might be that Roy says that this is going to be the last time he's doing this. And the reason why to me that's the catalyst is because the theme earlier was like friendship. Yeah. And, and we're very clearly, in, within that setup, realising that there's issues here in this friendship. They're not being friends for a while. There's, you know, there's distance between them, but yet they seem to want to connect. Um, you know, the hat symbol, the, the talking about this organisation that Mike's working for. So to me, I did wonder whether and it happens around the 12, 13 minute mark is that Roy says, no, nah, I think this is going to be it for me tonight. So it's almost like him as a character saying our friendship is like, I'm done with this. Yeah. Like I'm not going to move on from this. And so if the if it, the theme is friendship, then you've got a character saying I'm done with this friendship. It's almost like the death of the friendship there and there. And to me, that was a bit more of an inciting incident. But in terms of then listening for and finding a signal, you're right. Like the signal comes in about 20 minutes. He hears the heartbeat sort of sound for the first time. He writes down the 14 to it. That would be more the logical like action inciting incident. Mm. So, yeah, it's, it's I, I interesting is, which one is which, you know. Yeah. I, I oh, or it's maybe it's not so clear to find. It, it.
0: is a slow progressing yeah. film uh, and... And as interesting, we're talking. You're talking about this being uh, like a uh, an examination or an example of what these filmmakers can do. Mm. And that was actually my revelation of this whole film. By the time we get into the well into the third act, I was going, "Ah, oh, this is a an enormous showreel. Like this was like, how can we demonstrate all of our skills? Mm. and all of the skills of creating a movie so we so they have a slow you know um building tension yeah. opening which just seems to go on and and you're going oh there's something something's going to happen something yeah there's there's um there's friendship tensions going on there's relationship tensions there but then there's this signal in the background mm. and but then later on in the film starts throwing in oh here's some action elements like yeah so there's that drama and tension, a bit of Hitchcock. Here's a bit of action and, you know, that sort of uh, heroic drama. Yeah. And and so on. And so this this Catalyst being spread out over 10 minutes, hmm. it's it fits into that because there are plenty of movies where the Catalyst isn't a 30-second snip at 12 minutes. No, no. Um, there, there, there's a lot of movies where it is like a, yeah. maybe a minute from 12 to 13 minutes a scene or something happens which does the whole deal in but, uh, you know, a well-made film can go over more time.
1: And and when you actually do the helicopter view of this story, you know, their approach could just be a bit different to what we're analysing here as well. So instead of it being more like, oh, at the 12 minute, there needs to be that catalyst, it's more... Because when you look at the whole... (coughs) Excuse me. When you look at the whole story, they do have a very clear, like, one act, which is these three guys are together, they they have relationship issues and then they're listening for sound and one guy gets a sound, right? And so at the the end of the first act, he's hearing and noting the sound beat, right? So that's just an act. So instead of it being more like the way you and I are looking at that, uh, the whole film, you need this inside and instant. Then they might be more looking at, well, the one act is the setup. You know, like guys out there listening, they hear something. The second act is... Trying to prove that that's real and convinced others that's real, and then the third act is like, oh, we've got to like get that back to headquarters and and document that. Oh, we actually have heard aliens, you know. So when you look at it more, a little bit differently, it it works. It works just in a different way. Yes, indeed. So anyway, we have that debate. They hear that he does hear the sound. Um, he also shares the pictures with Roy. So he's sort of slowly bringing Roy over to Mike's eye, his little software, and he he, he goes, oh, there's something wrong because there's this big thing on the picture that doesn't make sense, which later we find out is the actual spaceship. Yeah. <laughs> but he's convinced that his software is not right. Um, he also hears some other uh, things on the radio, and Roy is extremely tense. So when we break into two, to me, so this is what I'm saying, like, A little bit differently to how we're analysing things We're breaking into two There's He hears the beat again So to me this is like a real Break You know like A fork in the road Because he's like Oh hang on this sound And he You know this film They did it pretty cool didn't they Because he like He kept testing it He kept taking the signal away And then coming back and going Oh no well I'm still getting the signal Yeah The only thing I was going Is like Why aren't you recording why yes. are you not recording? Yeah, I know. Well, like, I, it I, seems so obvious. Like, just record. I'd have thought it'd been recording the whole thing all yeah. night. But, <laughs> yeah, what do I know? Because sound doesn't take up much space in a computer. Like, it really doesn't. You know, if that's your job out there, you're trying to listen to things. Like, you think you'd just be recording all night long. But anyway, maybe that's totally wrong. If you're an astronomer that listens out,
0: let me know. Uh, yeah, well, if he's recording enough the microwave and infrared and so forth on his yeah, dish in order to map, that it could be many millions, trillions of data points mm. that he's pulling mm. in, which could be the whole fascinating thing. Uh, like there was that case of the photograph of the black hole, which took, you know, uh, 12, 15, 25 petabytes or something, something yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. The they couldn't. The best way they could transfer the data was actually to put it on hard drives and ship it. Yeah. Because trying to transmit it over the internet, it was just too much. It was too too big, yeah. (laughs) It was was too big. They had a truck of, you know, a a moving van full of hard drive that they shipped
1: around the place. So the fun in games to me in this is that this time it's like he's hearing it. Is it for real? Uh, He shares it with Harry, but Harry can't hear it. Um, uh, Mike also starts to Then he decides to record a message and send it off. Yes. And that's that's definitely
0: fun and games because it was a little bit humorous. Yeah, yeah. Things we hadn't hit the midpoint, so things weren't properly serious. No, no, this this is no, no, this is all
1: the fun. And because even Harry says, "I remember last time you were speaking to the police. You know, like you picked up the police radio. So it's like, is he really picking up aliens, or is he just picking up something else?" And well,
0: there's that whole uh, mysterious signal that was picked up, and it turned out to be the microwave oven door closing. (laughs) You know, that's right.
1: uh, Roy's satellite, you know, he's watching his satellite thing, and then we have this moment where it blips off the radar, it disappears, um, and and then really, there, Mike kind of offends him by questioning him, like, "Ah, oh, who cares? It's just a radio." And they have like a, mo- a really tense moment, and Roy chucks the shits, really. Yeah, just a satellite. <laughs> yeah, well, just a satellite. Just a satellite. You don't know what you're talking about. Um, Harry tells Mike about that, well, actually, he created that thing, but the shit thing was the company you worked for shafted him, sacked him. Uh, So, Roy does apologise. And this is where, this is what I'm saying, like that friendship theme is being more and more developed and and this time they come back together.
0: Well, this is that next object (laughs) that was used as the cup of tea. Cup of tea, yeah. So, the red hat was Harry and Roy. Yep. the cup of tea then was... Uh, Mike and Roy. Yep. And the Mints is Mike, Roy, and Harry. Yeah. As a group. Yeah. So it was. I've, I found that really interesting. Is that this this cup of tea? You know. Oh, oh. Mind if I have a cuppa? And he says, No, yeah. oh, it was just my last one. Yeah. But then later on, he says, Have a cup Yeah. Of. Have a cuppa. Oh, I thought it was your last one. No. Nah. And then he shares it, and they're like, Oh, there's like. So that all of that meaning is put just on the sharing a cup of tea, like mm. just because they did that. Because of the earlier rejection, you know, yeah that they've they've become friends without them having to say, "You know what, I think we're friends, yeah, it's like right. don't get ahead of yourself, mate, I yeah. haven't had your mint
1: yet <laughs> that's right, I'm not having a mint, but they do then sing a song together, they bring that song oh, in. all, a- and so that was that's the midpoint to me, and it's an upper midpoint this is that an example that 's like a bit of an up midpoint because they do sing that song together,
0: yeah they they get um and, and that's and that's where I, I see this as a like a showreel of, yeah. of their skills, so uh, of their ability to write things into stories. So they're hmm. using these objects to, you know, carry a relationship. Yeah. The the classic song is just like a montage, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. It's right. like by having everyone sing a song together, you you know that the group is bonding. Yeah, it's, it's a, natural a little one. montage bit and you know, it's a funny little song that they're singing yeah. to um, probably royalty free.
1: Yeah, and they did say in the behind the scenes that that was written in kind of as they were filming because they came across that song. Like it wasn't something that they wrote originally. All uh, right, they sort of found it. So you're probably right. It's probably a royalty free song. Well, it was something a weird old song. It was thing. a weird old song, and but it's a nice moment, isn't it? Because Mike starts singing it, and the others are a bit perturbed, and then you see each of them sort of smiling and starting to kind of get into it, you know, yeah. and so. Again, that's that subtle writing that, that we, we the actors are relaying so much information without saying anything, you know, they're singing a song. So to me it's a midpoint, it's an upper midpoint, which is great because quite often they do go the other way. But then this is where to go into the next bit, the midpoint is that Mike receives a recording of his message. And it's distorted. It's a bit scary. It's a bit creepy. It's it's kind of been twisted. And, and it so keeps saying uh, we are not afraid. We're not afraid. Yeah, you know. And, and it's it's got that distortion to it and repeating itself. And so, I think as an audience, I don't know about you, sorry, but for me, like I'm like, oh my god, like aliens are communicating. And of course, what happens is uh, Roy and Harry get back in. They're like, no, it's is it repeating? Is it a lube? Bouncy is it bouncing back? You yeah, know. Like, why are you getting it and no one else is getting it? Um, which is classic bad guys close in anyway, because you have the main you have the main character going, no, no, this is real, and everyone's going, nah, it's not real. Like, there's probably something something wrong here.
0: You yeah, know? you you're,
1: you're reading it wrong. And in and, and to um to add to that, he rings Dave at the I can't, it was a British Radioscope Center or something. I don't know. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? But if you're British and
0: you work at the Radio Telescope <laughs> Centre for radio telescopes. I just
1: don't know who they are whereas it's so easy when you say NASA, right? Like we've been told so much about NASA. But um he does call this guy and and he has a bit of access to this guy. He wakes him up out of mm. bed and and convinces him to check, and the guy checks and he has nothing. He has He's no
0: message. Got nothing. Yeah. Get back to me when you've got something.
1: Yeah. Um, so then they decide, which is a, I think a good moment here. to decide to like increase the signal. So Harry and Roy go off, um, and they
0: want to expand the triangle. Well, see this. Is what I was wondering also: is this moving into? This is sort of heading deeply towards the third act. This is yeah, the, but it's the- not
1: quite because to me the the end of the all is lost is what happens right after that because that's when he loses the signal and his computer gets turned up. So his computer dies, right? Like, and they're all lost. All is lost. It means that someone should die. Something should die. It doesn't have to be a person. And in this context, the computer dies.
0: Yes, the computer got fried. I think the aliens boosted the signal a little bit too much.
1: And it's also, like, good before the third act because, like, he's, like, going, oh, yeah. Like, so we can't convince anyone else that we're hearing this, but what we can do is... Getting in on three stations, and then that way, well, then it's proof because you've got three stations picking up the same thing, yeah, you know, so it's like it's a way of convincing people that I'm right, you know, um, but it's a nice little moment, isn't it, because they like uh, Harry and Roy go off, and then and it's quite scary for Harry. Mm. <laughs> there's creepy sounds in the bush, and
0: because this is where they're starting to go, okay, so we've had. Uh, you know, when we're talking about our showcase here, the start off was the uh, the start of the film is all of this sort of uh, relationship tension, mm. a bit of social drama, uh, a little bit of science in there, and yeah. then some humorous sort of good times. Definitely, the, the use of objects and so forth. And now we're moving to this going, oh well, we can also be a bit creepy, and mysterious, and it yeah, was, yeah. you know, just even just those bird calls yeah, and yeah. things where he suddenly stops, and where yeah. um, Roy sort of bangs on the window, and yeah, yeah, you know, uh, again a sort of It's like the filmmakers are saying, "Yeah, we can. We can also do this. We could make it a bit scary. Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: And there's a bit of humour in there as well, which is nice. Always worth seeing. But yeah, and and that's where the, you know, it did feel like E. T. and Cocoon. It didn't feel like Alien scary. It felt like kids in the bush kind of like what's what are they gonna stumble across, you know, yeah. like the torch is gonna drop on the ground like E. T. and there's gonna be footsteps running off <laughs> into the bush, but you're not gonna see what the bush you know, what the creature is, you yeah. know? Like you no, know. No,
0: I, di- I didn't get the feeling it wasn't night beast. They're not gonna be like ripped apart.
1: <laughs> but yeah, it, it was it was interesting. And um yeah, so he does that, but then of course, as I said, the oil to me, it's a real like. Just when he's winning, the reception is great. He, you know, he's got the triangular thing going on. Then of course we get this like interference, and then the computer
0: system burns out. Burns out, and i this this last bit here, which I loved at the end of this act, going into Act Three, we get the time clock. Yeah, and and it's like a. It's a great big. It's a huge camera, Yeah, yeah. It's just, you know, the uh, which on a
1: side note, wouldn't that be chewing the battery up? And it's,
0: <laughs> well, it's it's one of those things in films because up until now the user interface he'd been seeing was really quite realistic. Yeah, and it even had the um, uh, M Webster software mm. like written in the top left hand corner. Like I really liked the attention to detail on that yeah. software user interface. I went that. That kind of looks realistic. It's got like, you know, a, a bit of a, um, what do you call it, like a spectrograph at the bottom yeah, yeah, of it yeah. and it's got like, you know, a nice sort of digital display of what frequencies is listening to and there's yeah, all sorts yeah. of things. And then, of course, the uh, it, warning, blah, 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 10% left, which <laughs> Miley computer has never done. No. It, it usually just comes up with a rather unassuming little window saying, you've got 10% left, yeah, yeah. plug your power cable in. And then, of course, you don't get a, you know, Three, qu- three quarters of the screen counting down. But it worked really well. It because, did. Uh, and they kept that, the uh, the old Leslie, I think Leslie Weaver, their mum. Yeah. Uh, she was continuity, did a really good job because I was actually ta- paying attention to percentage complete in the transfer and the number of minutes and how long. And it was about 20 minutes. It was going to take 20 to 21 minutes mm. for it to complete the transfer. Yeah. And they had 18 minutes left. And sure enough, when it was at 33%, when it was 44%, I worked it out. It was staying close to being a 20-minute requirement. And so, like, that actually kept the percentage of file transfer compared to time left mm. relative. That's which good. meant that at no point, because I was curious to see if there was actually a point where they didn't have to rush, it mm. was going to complete. <laughs> but no, they kept it going on that way. And that this um, this clock it introduced this requirement they had to have a plan like this is this is like the bad guys revealed yeah the bad guys revealed as being you know we've got this amazing information this data it's got to be released we can't lose it yes and because they still didn't know if anyone else was really receiving this no Uh, and they had a, a clock counting down to doomsday and you know the car wasn't behaving itself and there's all these sort of obstacles and they had this plan right We've got to get back to the observatory. They've got this, you know, power supply that we can plug into, mm. and they'll also then be able to use this data, and you know, the world will be a great place.
1: And we've got to pack the car, and of course, we have
0: to leave old Annabelle. wifey behind. Yes, leave Annabelle. No, <laughs> this, this is where, I, this is where I, I, I don't know if. The weavers were intending this to be a little bit humorous. I think so. I think the build up in the level of drama here, given the the actual stakes, yes. Like, uh, but it was delivered so well. Like these actors did such a good job of being able to say, you know, you get the the equipment, I'll start the car, and he runs out and grabs a, um, you know, the folding chair or whatever it was, (laughs) and clacks out almost like he's, you know, pumping a shotgun or something. (laughs) But it's the plan, back.
1: right? It's the third act plan. It's like we've got to pack up. We've got to pack our yeah. gear and get out of here it's, as quickly as I can. It's like
0: can. Uh, Aliens, where they set up the mini, the, the auto <laughs> guns and the turrets, yeah. and the aliens are crashing in and they've got to crawl through the turret, the, yeah. the things to get plays. But yeah, they it was, did it as a time grunge. Yeah, and the, they, they had to struggle with these things. It jumped in the car. That whole thing uh, was, uh, was lovely.
1: I liked it. I re- that's where we had invested our. Hour and a half of cinema, and we were going. We want these guys to win. I was I
0: was delighted that last half hour. Yeah. uh, You know, because at the about the hour minute, I was going, "Wow, this is this has got a considered pace to it." The the and it got fast as it was like a hockey stick, and then it was faster, faster, and and then that last twenty minutes or whatever it is, Mm. it was just like rampant, like. Yeah, if there were, uh, you know, soldiers pouring in and a bomb about to go off and then like the actual wife or husband or whatever was tied to the railroad tracks, (laughs) you know, it was that sort of level. It was. And as a result, yeah, I was... I was smiling and enjoying like that little mm. race towards the end, and the yeah, yeah. and the the car revved. They got the Fast and the Furious. I loved that. The the car revved. It's a crappy old. Looked like it looked like an old Toyota Lexan or, or, yeah. or a, I don't know what the equivalent is probably over there as a like a, you know a, a I have to ask. I remember, yeah. have to ask where the car is, but. Yeah. Yeah, you get the close up of the the rev, the whole car and it sort of <laughs> shudders and <laughs> vroom, vroom, like just straight out of Fast and Furious. It was, it was, but it it wasn't done over. It, it was done to the edge of over the top. Yeah, it didn't go into comedy, hmm. but it was right there and just I I was just carried along by that rush towards the end.
1: It wasn't comedy,
0: but it was like
1: us, the audience, going, yeah, come on, go, go, go. You know, like, it yeah. created I, a... I, know,
0: I, like, I, I don't know, you were cheering out, them
1: for them. You almost set them. Mind,
0: you're not losing telescope. No one's going to come up and steal it. <laughs> no, that's right. It's a 20, it's a It's like a 15-minute drive down there. You can yeah. drop off yourself and come back again. Yeah, we'll problem. still be
1: sitting there in the middle of
0: the But not. no. <laughs> and it's like, just leave the damn telescope. That's right. But it's... That was exactly that point in a a film where, you know, someone is is dangling and the important piece of information is is about to drop off, but the monster is about to stab them in the back and and you go, just leave it. But he doesn't. He doesn't. He he
1: gets it in. So they go racing down the freeway, highway. They hit a couple of more obstacles, the blocked fence, the um, red light, the you know, stop sign, the other cars, um, and the time clock is just ticking, as you were talking about. is perfect kind of oh, ratio.
0: We, we got the wonderful uh, Chekhov's gun. We did. Not only was it Chekhov's gun, but it was also a foreshadowing that it would be. Yes. Because, uh, yeah, Roy was making room in the back and he pulls out the loppers. Yeah. And he says, oh, well, that's for the telescope because sometimes the trees get in the way. And go, yeah. Oh, that makes sense. But then he has that funny little claw gripper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, of course, not long after that, you know, Mike is trying to grab the the microphone. Mike's yeah. getting the mic so he can record his own little message back to the aliens and he's using the gripper to comedic effect. Yeah, yeah. You know, so that's kind of that foreshadowing that those two items, yep. the other item is yet to be used. It's like yeah, that yeah. when James Bond gets his list of gadgets. Yes. You're always counting down. Oh, okay, he's used his watch. He's used the oil slick. Yeah. When's he going to use the parachute that's right. balloon pen? You know.
1: Like, and so they use that to like cut the lock to mm. get through the gate and the shortcut. Um, race down the freeway, red lights, all that kind of stuff. It's really well done for no budget, you know, like you could see what they were doing.
0: Considering, yeah, they, they would have had to have begged to be able to... I don't know, mean, maybe, maybe they just sort of did a few camera tricks to make it look fast.
1: I think they did, yeah, yeah, no, they did.
0: Uh, wonder if they told the other drivers that they were doing that. I think a couple of them they
1: must have, but... I think you probably just... It was probably all three of them driving their cars down the road, and they just you know one's going mm. a little bit faster than the other two, you know, yeah, yeah, that's the trick, and when they got to the red light, you'll notice that they didn't really go through a red light, but they made it look like they went through a red light, so it was yeah, it was well done it was good it was good filming, um and they get in anyway, they come into where the uh, they've been ringing Dave and they're saying, oh we've got to, we need this particular power source, and they fly into where the satellites are. Uh, and they get there with ten seconds left and Dave comes running out through the car park and might runs through the yeah, car. Why park. They didn't drive up to the door. I know they didn't they they could have definitely driven closer, but, but anyway, that's, to, the, tension, right? the, that's the tension, right? That's the tension. They have the run and they get this power source, they run back and of course like then even when he goes to pl- he plugs one in <laughs> really quickly, the other one doesn't go, you know? <laughs> <laughs> me yeah, right. I was like, he's missed
0: it. Like, I laughed out loud at that. You know. he, he gets it and he rubs them together and yeah. gets a spark. They
1: get this, you got to prove that it's alive,
0: right? Like it's a First it's one's on, right? Get the second one on. I'm getting the second one. It won't go on. It won't go on. And Why won't them. it go? I just put. It on. I know, but, but it, was, no, it was. It was. It was brilliant. great.
1: Yeah, you, it's nail biting stuff. Oh uh, yeah. Um. Anyway, so then and they do. They get it on with about ten seconds. That the hard drive is okay. It's saved the oh. recorded First contact. Dave informs that actually all over the world people are locking in on it but realising that these guys had the first contact and so they will be the first ones and then all the satellites are kind of like directed towards where the spaceship is and they're beeping away and the guys say, well, oh, what's going on? And he says, oh, look, all over the world we're sending them the one message which is welcome to Earth. So it's... Mm. You know, here they've kind of like come as a team to get there, and then now it's like even with the aliens, it's it's friendship. It's we're reaching back out to them. You know, yeah, we're not I, we're not being
0: nasty. It's beautiful. Yeah. So there's and a nice the, the hero there. shot, and they they all pull out their hats because yep. we've heard this mystery of mm. the third astronaut. Yeah, and, and it, it turns out it's the, Dave. It's Dave. It's Dave. Yes. <laughs> Which is how come he was so accommodating at such I an so, odd yeah. hour of the morning? Yeah.
1: And they all stand there with their hats and they look at the satellite and they look at the sky. And then we get a light like from this alien. And it's very epic. It's very built up. And, you know, it's a beautiful shot of them in front of these huge satellites and the alien, which was kind of like in the title cosmos. And yeah, that's the end, isn't it?
0: It's, it was beautiful.
1: It is uh, really beautiful.
0: And of course, we spoke, uh, which episode was it we're talking about? Making first contact and and the, the protocol for contact. So if you're the first person to have made the first um, discovery, was that the Beyond? No, no, that's no. It wasn't that long ago. But anyway, yeah. If you remember, there's like a multi-point protocol for what if yeah. you discover. Um and but if you're the first one to discover it, you're the one who gets to announce it to the world. Remember ah, that's that's, that's the significance. Yeah, 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 it's not yeah, just yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the scientific community says great, but. The, the idea is that the scientific community gets behind you and says, you get to announce yeah, get to this announce to the public.
1: Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So, which right. is,
0: that's got to be pretty chuffing. I mean, it's got to be good yeah. to be able to say, I discovered a uh, a new Earth-like planet 27 <laughs> light years away from us. Yes. Uh, alternatively, you get to sort of say, uh, I spoke to aliens.
1: That's right. <laughs> yes.
0: And here they are, blowing us up. And by the way, there's police I spoke to last, you know. Yeah. Sorry, but, you know, now I've got it right.
1: So we have our ladder where we put, them, put the films on, sort of recommending maybe where you should view it in the order of all the films we've looked at so far in Space Brains. Uh, so for me, sorry, I've got Gants in there um, about middle of my ladder and then I'm going to put Cosmos after that and then followed by Doomsday and Eagles. I think that would be kind of like a really interesting film Cosmos to watch after Gant Zero, you know, that, where that's a bit disturbing.
0: <laughs> the yes. anime,
1: Japanese anime, but great film. But, yeah, if you watch that and then you kind of watch this, is much more kind of toned down and peaceful and and also, yeah, hopeful. And then to kind of then move into something like Doomsday, which is much more violent, Mad Max, apocalyptic, would be quite different. How about yourself? Where, where are you putting it on your line? Well, I was learning?
0: very much considering having it near... Uh, the Beyond. Yep. It has a very similar feel. It to It does, the doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That that sort of scientific discovery of aliens, friendly. Mm. Yeah. That's sort the of thing. Um, and and I've just got to find it, but I didn't put an Exit Beyond. <laughs> <laughs> this, despite that being a good spot, jeez, we've got we've got fifty five. This is our fifty fifth yeah. episode in the non classic yeah, section. That's no, a lot now, isn't it? So it's it's getting hard. Now I was I was thinking it up there with um, Love and Monsters okay. and Dark City yep. between those two. Yeah. So that's that's in the thirty five, thirty six. And you know, Dark City has uh, well it's dark. It is dark. But it does have a hopeful ending. It does. Love and monsters a little bit more so this I just thought this would be a this would be a nice trilogy to get you through Trilogy of Hope. Trilogy of Hope, but, you know, they they each have a very different tone to them.
1: Yeah, they do.
0: So it's... Yeah, you're not being overwhelmed by it, but there
1: it is. Yeah, fair enough. And, I mean, Love of Monsters has a bit of a kind of little bit of a... That has a comedy tone, and this has a little bit of comedy in it as well. So
0: I can see a bit of a connection there. Yeah, and I I think... I think it's getting harder and harder to to be able to sort these out. I oh, mean, it is. We, we may have to come up with a new sorting. We may. <laughs> break them into subcategories. The sorting hat. The sorting hat. Perhaps, perhaps it's sort of like, okay, so here are the um, light-hearted hope. Here's the dark <laughs> experimental. Here's yeah. the action warning.
1: W- monster ones. And
0: then we have like a ladder which is like, you know, yeah, you know, random number generator to pick uh, one out of this t- topic, yeah. three out of that one, then one out of that, and then, I don't know, you could make your own playlist and get you, Spotify to do it.
1: <laughs> you really could. You really could. So let us know where you thought, where is it on your ladder? Yeah, hit us up. Tell us. Or do you agree or disagree where we're putting ours on the ladder? All right, let's delve into some of the science of this film. Now, this is one of these ones we've looked at a lot of films now as well. Sorry, where... In some sci-fi, the science fiction is extreme, as in totally out of this chart, out of this current world science. Other films also have a quite of out-there science scenario, even something like The Matrix, but don't really explain it. We, the audience, just go along with it. And then something like The Beyond is a really great example where they do really explain the science within the realms of the film. So what do you want to talk about with the science of cosmos? Let's one
0: out. Look, I really love the whole Arecibo message thing. Yeah. Like it was Yeah, um, I did too. The, the 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 point that I really liked about it was it was created in like a golden age of space mm-hmm. uh, optimism. Yes. So during the yeah, 70s 60s 70s Mm. You know, the, the moon missions, the, the Apollo Voyager. Yeah. They were all, you know, Star Trek. You know, it was all very positive. And in 1974, the Arecibo message was sent uh, and it was sent, it was a pretty basic sort of message, uh, 1,679 bits of data, a bit being a zero or a one. Mm-hmm. And it was sent out uh, from Puerto Rico, which is where Arecibo is. You'll recognize Arecibo. It's the big dish in the crater that you see in Contact yep. and in Goldeneye. Yeah. And it, I mean, you see it in a couple other bits and pieces. I can't remember but they're like the big ones that you recognize yeah, yeah. it from. And in seventy uh, four, it was commissioned, uh, and they went, "Hey, you know what we can do? This, this is really powerful. We can send a a, a relatively powerful uh, signal off to a star that is twenty five thousand light years from Earth. Yeah, like so. And I'm wondering if they did that just in case. You do we really want to send it to one light years away? Because yeah. we could get a message back in sort of eight to ten years. <laughs> that might be scary. Yeah, twenty five thousand light years. Yeah." No, it's 50,000-year return message. Yeah, not a yeah. problem. Uh, it would not affect was, us. But it was sent out as an example of the transmitting and receiving capabilities mm. of this station. Yeah. But in order to yeah, promote it, why miss a good opportunity for promotion? Uh, it was done as an alien message to aliens. Now, this message was designed by Frank Drake, mm. who was then at Cornell University. Uh, He is renowned for the Drake Equation, which I've spoken about previously. Uh Uh, The Drake Equation is a way of estimating the number of intelligent, communicative civilizations in the galaxy. Nice. uh, And and it leads to a certain paradox or two. And also Carl Sagan and some others which are, uh, you know... Don't have big fancy names that we all understand. Mm-hmm. And Carl, Carl Sagan, he is a, a astronomer. He's the reason we know about him really is because he's quite a science educator. He was, uh, you know, on TV. He, I think, he actually had a TV program called Cosmos. I'm he wondering might. if there's a relationship there. But yeah, so this message uh, was 16.79 bits. Uh, it was done in, uh, was it, 73 by 23 right? Uh, rows and columns. And the reason for that is because they're both prime numbers. Yeah. And so when you multiply them together, you get a... Uh, a oh, my goodness me. I've got, a, I've got a friend in Canberra who's a mathematician and he would be crank, cranky at me for forgetting what it's called. Uh, and I'm looking at my notes and I can't see it there. But anyway... Uh, so the whole message as a total has... The very top row is got uh, the numbers 1 to 10. Yeah. And they're written in binary. There's an encoding to it, but it's a binary message. We then have the atomic numbers using that established numbers, 1 to 10. We can then use, they use those same numbers then to give out the atomic numbers for hydrogen, carbon, nitrogen, oxygen, and phosphorus, right. which is what makes up DNA. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, there's the... Um, chemical uh formulas for dna itself Mm -hmm. there's an estimate of the number Uh of dna nucleotides in the human genome Uh there's like a little let's call a stylized graphic of the double helix but obviously with with only a few little blobby bits it's you know you're gonna be a bit imaginative but then it has the the physical height of an average man uh, not a woman because we all know that uh, only men get used in science for some unknowable reason we do we do uh, lucky there's not that big a difference I don't think there's a significant difference in height between no. average men and women anyway That no. not that aliens would notice uh, and then there's also the number of the population of earth we then have a little kind of a, a pixel graphic of the solar system with the third dot raised up to show where the message comes from mm-hmm Uh, And then there's like kind of a stylized picture of the Arecibo telescope itself. Right. Uh, And of course, its physical diameter of 305 meters. Right. So this was sent out uh, at 2380 megahertz. So you remember this um, message they received back was at 1420? Yeah. Uh, And this was done shifting by 10 hertz, so a very small... It's a very narrow band that's been sent out, which is quite important. Mm. Uh, Because you notice in this movie, uh, when he's scanning, he sits on the 1420.63 or whatever, and he goes off just by um, a a few tenths of a point. Yeah. And he loses the signal and goes back. Now, the importance of that is in space, where no one can hear you scream, (laughs) uh, astronomical noises. very noisy, they cover wide bands. So, uh, quasar or pulsar, which was, you know, pulsar was was what was uh, suggested as being the source of this information uh, signal. They cover a a very wide band. Like, um, if you sit at one frequency and hear the pulsar, you could shift off that frequency a long way, Mm. megahertz, and still hear it. Mm. So, it's significant to have this very narrow band of uh, communication because if you're not exactly on 2380... Yeah. If you're just off by 11 hertz, you won't get this message. That's right. Yeah. So, uh, that's that's what it was. Uh, it's a semi-prime. Mm. That's what it is. A semi-prime number. The, the product of two prime numbers. Anyway. Bloody uh, interesting, mate. Yeah. So, then... Uh, the th- the reason I say this is a a period of optimism because it was also when we sent the Pioneer plaque mm. out. So the Pioneer uh, satellite, Pioneer 11, is the first thing that we've ever sent out of our solar system. Yeah. And it carries a gold-plated plaque. You'd recognize it if you saw the picture. It's got a man and a woman. It's sort of got um, uh, a little picture of the solar system with a satellite flying off from it. Yeah. It's really interesting. So that was 1972... Then there was the Voyager golden record. So, Voyager was sent out in 1977 uh, and it's just leaving. It hasn't left our solar. Um, our sun's gravitational effect yet, but it's getting there. Yeah. But it's got a golden record, which. And a little stylus to play it with and oh. instructions on how to set it up and how to play the, the, the recordings on it. It's like a little. It's got music and talking and, and uh, encoded images and so forth. But nowadays, what are we setting up there? A freaking Tesla. Not as interesting, I think. Mm. So, through the 70s, we had this great burst of optimism, which I think we've kind of lost. It's become really commercial now. Now it's not nice. reaching for the stars, furthering humanity. Now it's... Rich people having holidays in space, which is—I right. mean—that's kind of cool in its own way. Why not? But not as exciting, I think, as what it used to be. No. But that is the Arecibo message mm. and the associated messages and optimism around that period. Nice. Oh, I might also say there actually was an apparent response in 2001 mm. crop circles. Oh. Uh, turned into a massive hoax of course but maybe it inspired the weavers to come up with this story yeah that's right and next week's episode Big 72 is Don't Look Up
1: you Leo Leo DiCaprio, Meryl Streep
0: a couple Me, other great actors I, I'm in it <laughs> I swear to god I must be in there I mean if Leo's in there I must be in there
1: yeah Anyway, where I haven't seen it, I look forward to a bit of a bit of a hot topic that film at the moment around the traps. Apparently, I've a, been lot a lot of people talking
0: about it. A lot of people so, talking uh, about
1: it. Well worth, yeah. Let's have a look at it and um, see what you think. Tune in next time and hear what we think about it. Bye. Bye. Bye.